0: We are now just two sleeps away from the kickoff for the 2018 FIFA World Cup. World Cup fever is in the air, bringing familiar symptoms to different nations. Germany are wondering how many teams they could send to this tournament that would reach the knockout rounds. Brazil are filled with confidence as their team looks to be back to their former glory. French fans are cautiously optimistic that their super talented team won't implode both on and off the field. And English fans are screaming about how one of their players should be sent home because he got a tattoo while subsequently getting overexcited about friendly results. My name is Mitchell Tierney. You are listening to the Footy Talks podcast and today is our special World Cup preview edition in order to get a better idea of what we can expect from this summer's tournament. I have brought on James Sharman of Sportsnet. James, thanks for joining me.
1: No problem at all. Should be a a decent World Cup, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into uh, our preview and picks themselves... James, you're actually in Russia right now as we speak, getting ready for the FIFA Congress tomorrow. We are expected to learn who will host the 2026 World Cup early tomorrow morning, whether that will be the United bid of Canada, Mexico, and the United States or Morocco. And I actually remember at the first ever Footy Talks live event, uh, Morocco's bid was kind of being thrown around as a bit of a joke. Well, it has to be taken seriously now, as it seems they've gained a lot of momentum on the United bid even if their safety section of their FIFA report looks as bad as the math section of my high school report card. I'm going into the vote tomorrow, James. What's your sense of how this all might shake out?
1: Yeah, you're right, Mitchell. I mean, it was amazing when this this whole process began. Morocco was a laughing stock, People were thinking, why would they even bother against this great United bid? But as time's gone on, they've gained some real momentum through the winter especially, mainly due to the whole anti-American Sentimentality right now in the political climate um, and the anti-Trumpisms out there. Um, so right now it really is too close to call. Cool. Uh, I spoke to a lot of the delegates um, yesterday here in Moscow on both sides, and talking to Peter Montopoli and uh, Vita Montaliani, etc. That they're confident, they know they have the best bid, but they're also cautiously optimistic i'd say because they know it's fifa anything can happen and although they want politics to remain out of this they know that it's possible it could creep in and if it does creep in this could be a very close vote indeed uh, despite donald trump's threats so you know i I don't know my my, my gut tells me the united bid will win this thing Um, but it's going to be a lot closer than we thought perhaps a year ago that's for sure
0: Yeah, certainly. And uh, ahead on the show, we are going to look at each group in the tournament and get James' picks as to who advances from each one. If he's wrong, I mean, rather if I disagree with him, I might chime in as well. We will focus on some of the bigger teams as well. Uh, Then we will wrap up with some of the World Cup storylines. Let's start with Group A, the group that features Host Russia, who are looking to avoid being 2010 South Africa, them being the only host nation not to get out of their group at this tournament. Stats website 538 has labeled this group as the worst in modern football history, so a nice ringing endorsement of what we can expect out of Group A. Uh, but there is still some quality in this group, mainly in the form of Uruguay uh, and Mohamed Salah. The Egyptian striker had 71% of his country's goals in qualifying, so the health of his shoulders should be an X-factor in this group. The group is rounded out by Saudi Arabia, who are the second lowest ranked team in this competition, behind only Russia. So what, James, can we expect from Group A?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're right. It's not a good group, is it? And and Uruguay is very happy about that, especially. Um, For me, there's just one team worth watching, really, and that's Uruguay. They're an outstanding team, and they might be... I don't want to call them a dark horse because I think they're too good to be considered a dark horse, but we know what they have under Tabarez, who's been there for a long time as the head coach. He knows that system through and through, knows those players as well. And with that attack in, in Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani, it might be the best attack in the entire World Cup. And defensively, of course, with Godin and Jimenez, who have been anchoring the Atletico Madrid defence for a while now, are going to be the best in Europe. They're, they're a balanced team. They're just solid. And looking at the, the group mates, Egypt, listen, you're right, Mo Salah's great. He, he's been a wonderful story. He might even win a Ballon d'Or this year, who knows? But that shoulder is a major question mark even a a, a little separation can take some time to recover how healthy will he be and even if he is 100% healthy they're really so dependent on him I hate to say a one-man team but it's not far off he scored I believe around 70% of his team's goals in qualifying that's how important he has been to that team um, but, you know, Egypt could could make some noise in this group. Uh, Saudi Arabia, thanks for coming out. Not good enough. And as for Russia, it, it's, it's a real shame, Mitchell. You know, you want to see the host nation do OK, get out the group, maintain that, that hype around the country. But I just don't see it this time around. Russia is not a good team. And it might be the worst Russian team ever at a World Cup. And you do have some concerns about how the World Cup will continue without Russia. What will the fans be like? Will they be upset? You know, walking around Moscow the last couple of days, there's a lot of fans from all around the world and a lot of Russian fans flying that flag right now. They're enjoying themselves. They want to be around for a long time, but I just don't see it with, with that team right now. They're just poor from, from the defense out. Uh, so Uruguay and Egypt are my picks in that group, but, you know, who knows? Uruguay, without a doubt, are the class
0: never want to be going into a home world cup and hear that this is the worst ever edition of your team that certainly means something went wrong somewhere
1: Mismanagement, right since they got this well years ago what's happened you look at their their managers that they've gone through so many there's been no stability whatsoever there's been infighting the, the board's a mess and, and where are the kids coming through you know they're just not there so you point the finger and point the finger at the russian federation
0: here yeah as you said you kind of use usually use a world cup to get more development dollars to pump into the system but clearly that hasn't happened and there's been some kind of a disconnect here within the russian federation um let's move on to group b which features the last two european champions spain and portugal and for uh, many, that will be all they need to know about this group to make their predictions. Uh, but it should be noted that this group is is trickier than it seems. Uh, the group is rounded out by two stingy opponents, both Morocco and Iran, who only gave up one and two goals respectively on their road to Russia. Uh, Iran was also the third team to qualify for this tournament behind Automatic Qualifiers Russia and basically Automatic Qualifiers Brazil. So these are two tough teams for Spain and Portugal should they slip up.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, everyone's just writing off Iran and putting them in the same bracket as, you know, as Saudi Arabia, which is, is ridiculous. Iran's a very tough team to beat, very good defensively, very physical as well. You know, they're going they to be a nasty team for any, any of these group mates to take on. And they've got some pretty decent attackers too. In fact, if you look at Asian qualifying, I mean, some of the best attackers, or Asian football in general, some of the best attackers are in that Iranian team right now. So they're, they're, you definitely can't overlook them. And Morocco, similarly, you know, very hard to break down. And as we've seen, Mitchell, in, in the last couple of tournaments, especially Euro, but even the World Cup last time out, you can kill off teams. You can kill off games. And if you're good defensively and you're organized, the underdog can really cause some issues for some very, very big teams. That being said, Spain and Portugal are obviously the favorites in this group. Portugal, for me, you know, they're not going to duplicate what they did two years ago. They've got some issues of their own. Defensively, age is a major issue. They're not very versatile. Um, But going forward, there's some potential there, of course. Ronaldo, obviously, is the man to watch. He's redefined himself as a different type of player now. You might not see him all game long, but then he'll pick up two goals at the end of the day, right? Who would ever rule against that guy in the big stage? So, you know, just him alone, he could drag some of his teammates through that group, potentially. But for me, Spain is by far the overwhelming favourite. They should roll through this group. They are getting back to their very best. And, and I'm not sure if you saw this, but just breaking now, uh, Julian Lopetegui, the coach, has just agreed to join Real Madrid after the World Cup wow yeah it's just literally broken before you called me here so that, that's um, I, I don't know what that means for the team does that mean that players won't be taking him seriously or will it be the opposite will they be doing this for the coach he's only been there for two years right he took over after Euro so he hasn't really achieved that much but when I guess when Real comes calling it's tough to say no isn't it but uh, you know Spain are, are wonderful um, going forward I, I love Ishko at Real Madrid I think uh, when he puts that Spain shirt on he even gets better Um, he's he's wonderful and defensively it might be the best defense in in the entire tournament so Spain are my favorites to go a long way Um, as far as the final maybe they could win this thing let's be honest here but um, in in that group alone Spain and then a real fight I think probably between Portugal and Morocco for that second place but like we said don't discount Iran it should be a pretty intriguing group
0: so if Spain doesn't get out of this group does Real instantly (laughs) fire him
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I thought the same thing because they're such reactionaries, right? They always sign the big player at World Cups or sign the big name. And I wonder if they crash and burn in the group phase, does Libertarian not get that dream job? Probably not, but uh, that would be quite amusing, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely, it would. And picking up on Spain, uh, to to kind of use a hockey analogy here, um, they kind of strike me as similar to the 2002 uh, Canadian Olympic hockey team, the team that went out and won gold, and then four years later uh, tried to win gold with pretty much the exact same team, who were all four years older. Spain kind of tried to do the same thing in 2010 and 2014, and it obviously didn't go very well for them, not getting out of their group at the the last tournament um so how exciting is this spain team now that they've added a couple of younger players who can kind of uh you know bring the next generation here
1: well i think it is certainly moving forward um you know for the next tournaments absolutely but you look at this potential starting 11 and you know who knows you know quite what it's going to be like but um the veterans are still key right you know david Silva's is going to be key um iniesta is going to be absolutely key uh you know obviously bush gets and Pique and ramos absolutely key so you know as much as that, that, some some of the old guard have retired, the new blood like the Ishko is getting a chance. You know they're going to really drive this team forward. I, I think, and maybe a player like Asensio, who, who might get not start the tournament, um, he could force his way into that side. I, I think it's really um, exciting going forward with this team. You know, and, and the the, the, uh, the players they have there, it is Costa going to be the main man up front? Um, you know, can he, you know, lift his game on the international stage? So there are some question marks, but I think there's just that youth beneath the surface. That if they don't start games, they're going to get into these games, and maybe the starting eleven in that first match might be very different to the starting eleven in, say, a semi-final.
0: Group C could end up being a three-way race behind France, who will be the overwhelming favourites to top the group. Uh, that battle will play out between a Christian Eriksson-led Denmark, a Peru team that just got recently got the ban on their talisman, Paulo Guerrero lifted, and an Australian team that will be led by a 105-year-old, Tim Cahill. Um, assuming you have France going out, but which of these three teams has enough quality to get out behind them?
1: Yeah, I mean, sorry, Socceroos, but this ain't going to be a year. Um, Australia's not quite good <laughs> enough. Uh, you know, it's funny, I've seen more Peruvian shirts here in Moscow the last uh, little while. Uh, than maybe any other shirt um, behind maybe Brazil. Wow. There's a lot of Peruvian fans here. And they're loving their team, right? It's been a long time for Peru. Um, I think 36 years since they qualified. So they're really embracing this. And they've really turned themselves around, haven't they, uh, the last couple of years. They were awful. I think Tim Vickery, who's maybe the, the English-speaking um, South American-based journalist to listen to, he compared them to Luxembourg. They were the Luxembourg of South America up until two years ago. And then something changed. Um, they're really good defensively. They're decent, efficient in attack. Getting Guerrero is huge because he is, like I said, he is the man. He's the face. He's the legend. He's the, uh, the talisman. And there's a good chance he's going to miss this World Cup. He's now been allowed to play. That makes a big difference. Um, is experience going to cost him? That's the question. Oh, is the hype a little bit out of order for this team? Are they not quite as good as perhaps we, we, we might be thinking? I love South American teams, right? And as you know, it's probably the toughest place to qualify from. It's the best qualifying format, without doubt. They got out, so give them credit. They'll cause some issues. Um, but behind them, Denmark might be the team that, that sneaks through with France here. Denmark, they're experienced. Um, they're, they're, they're big. They're strong. They're, they're very physical. Um, and I, I think that alone is going to make them a real team t- to watch in this group phase. You mentioned Ericsson, Maybe the most underrated player. In European football, sweating the Premier League. I know he makes some decent money now, and I know that we know who he is, but he is just fantastic. He gets overshadowed somewhat at Spurs, doesn't he, with with the Harry Canes and Deli Alleys, but he's a very clever player, and, and I think he will pull the strings for that team. But like I said, they are a nasty team, they're physical. Um, no Nicholas Bentner, which is a shame for all of us. You know, the self-proclaimed best player in the world isn't there. A <laughs> uh, <laughs> real shame. But I, I think it's going to be a real battle between Peru and Denmark, the finish behind France, who, who should run away with the group
0: what do you make of this French team because they seem to have all the talent on paper uh, to win this whole thing but with French teams they they never seem to be a safe bet because you're never sure how things are going to play out uh, both on the field and perhaps more importantly in the room Um, you know they were the runners up at the last Euros and they seem to have all kinds of talent so how do you see things playing out for France
1: yeah you're right you know if France if they click then you know watch out this team could win this tournament that's how talented they are and they could put like Germany they could put two teams in this tournament really if you look at some of the players that they they left out of the squad as an England fan it makes me sick it's like my word these players (laughs) aren't good enough for for a 23 man squad Um, but you know there are obviously always that undercurrent of um, disharmony behind the scenes Um, it doesn't seem that the players are big fans of Didier Duchamp um, he is quite a cautious, pragmatic coach, and with the flamboyancy that this team can offer, you'd like to see him open up a little bit, let them play some football. But, you know, they still have the class, you know. If Paul Pogba can, can play like he often does in a blue shirt, that's going to be key for them. If they can play the right formation, the right system to fit him, I'm not sure they will, because the, the system that fits Paul Pogba doesn't really fit Antoine Griezmann, who might be the best player. Um, and vice versa, right? So so I don't know if, if Deschamps even knows the answer to that right now. But if they can get it sorted out, if they are happy, which is why I think a really fast start is really important for this team, get some good results, stay happy, then watch out. They're going to be one of the teams to watch.
0: The potential group of death in this competition could be Group D, which is headlined by 2014 World Cup runners-up Argentina Joining them is a Croatian team that has plenty of talent on the field but all sorts of issues off it as they continue to be incredibly unpopular in their home nation. Nigeria, they have arguably the best kit in the tournament and a solid team to boot and Iceland are the smallest nation to ever qualify for a World Cup. They have a population of just over 330,000 people, although it turns out at least uh, 200,000 of them are UEFA A-licensed <laughs> coaches. <laughs> so how do you see this group shaking out?
1: You're right. You know, Iceland was a nice story, right? And, and they've, it's a great story, right? You know, what they've done to turn that whole um, country around into a decent footballing side. But I just don't see them duplicating what they did at Euro. They caught a lot of teams off guard, a lot of teams. Uh. And listen, they, they were so organized they defended brilliantly, got timely goals. Take nothing away from them, but to do it in the World Cup, I, I find it tough to to really stomach that. I couldn't. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it was awful to watch, wasn't it? Iceland. I mean, nice stories, nice moments, but overall, not great games. Um, hmm. And they got it's a,
0: coming from an England fan.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I might be a little bit biased there, perhaps. But even before that. Um, but, you know, if you look behind them, you know, who's going to fight for that second place if we assume that Argentina's in first place? Croatia, you're right. I mean, I, I love Croatia. I think they can play some of the most attractive football in the world. It might be the best midfield at this World Cup. It's tough to say it's not, you know, with Rakitic in there and obviously Modric, who's one of my all-time favourites. Even though he plays a different role, doesn't he, with, with Croatia, a more advanced role than we see with Real Madrid, where he's more of that holding midfielder. Um, Not that sure with the consistency in goal scoring on on Croatia right now. And defensively, there's some question marks there for sure. Um, A very (coughs) inexperienced coach as well, who comes in, Zlatko Dalic, of course, and he he, he comes in amidst a lot of turmoil uh, at the end of qualifying. And you mentioned off the field, it's an absolute mess there, isn't it, in Croatia? Uh, the players and the federation are always at war, the fans at war. You know, we saw some horrible scenes during qualifying as, as some fans and even players, you know, took on the, the federation. So, a lot of uh, background noise with Croatia. But if they can come together as a team and maybe, you know, us against the world mentality, watch out for them. Um, Nigeria. Nigeria is an interesting one. It seems whenever they're, they're at a World Cup, you expect them to do really well and be this big breakthrough African nation. And then they disappoint, don't they? Um, I hope it's not the case this year. You're right, they got decent looking outfits, and we'll give them that much. They got a very good midfield. Again, goal scoring could be a slight issue. I like Victor Moses uh, playing up front, though. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? We we see him at Chelsea or wherever he is in England playing at that wing back position. Then with his national team, he's pushing far forward in that that front three, which is interesting. Uh, But, you know, I I don't know if they're quite the quality to, to go too far in this tournament. But let's be honest, you know, is Argentina the best in the group? But Argentina has that potential. They could implode as well. They're not what they once were, as you know. There, um, And a lot of pressure on that guy who wears uh, that shirt with Messi on the back.
0: Hmm. Wonder who that guy is. Uh, Argentina are, are kind of an interesting team. Uh, with them, I was kind of thinking of. We recently saw Alex Ovechkin finally get his Stanley Cup um, after you know several years of coming up second. It's something you can draw in comparison with Lionel Messi, who. Uh, has so many second places um, throughout his career. And you almost wonder if perhaps this Argentina side um, will get a little joy out of not being uh, front and centre of a lot of people's predictions. Not a lot of people are giving them uh, the time of day going into this tournament. So maybe, just maybe, like uh, Ovechkin's Washington Capitals, they can fly under the radar a little bit.
1: Yeah, it might do, because I don't think the fans expect that much, do they, from Argentina? I think they're quite... Realistic that this isn't the best Argentina side they've ever seen, but it does have game breakers on it up front. Defensively, there's clearly some issues. You know, can you rely on Fazio and uh, Otamendi? You know, I'm not sure you can, but you can rely on, on Messi, and you can you know rely on Aguero and, and Di Maria, and, and this kid Pavan who looks really good actually coming through, a young player who's working very well with Leo Messi right now. Um, but it, it's, it's fascinating. In comes Sam Paoli as the manager, and he's. Did, did such a great job with Chile, playing a very different brand of football. And he comes in and qualifying. He gets them through just about um, late in that campaign there. But, the, you know, it, his style is not what they're used to. So now he's got a few weeks with them. Can he find a way to make that team work within his tactical base? I hope he can, because it's funny you mentioned Betchkin. You know, I, I was very much on the, the side of, it doesn't matter what he does in the Stanley Cup. He's got the stats to prove what he's done. His legacy won't be tarnished. And then he wins it, and like, wow, yeah, actually, he did need that. It looks great with the cup. Great images, right? And Messi could be the same way. You know, I'm a messy guy in that old chestnut of an argument, messy Ronaldo. I'm always a messy side, taking nothing from Ronaldo. But his numbers speak for themselves. I don't think he really needs a World Cup, but it would sure help, wouldn't it? It would sure be the, the, the cherry on top if he could manage it. But I'm not sure this team is the one to take him to the promised land.
0: Group E is another group that it's kind of like that group C that seems to be Uh, have a top team and and kind of a chase group Uh, brazil under chiche has been fantastic and it probably shouldn't be too hard for them to get out of this group if they are playing up to their recent standard Um, and that could leave costa rica who evidently were the big surprise at the last uh, world cup tournament getting to the quarterfinals uh, battling it out alongside switzerland and serbia so this should be an interesting group to see who gets out behind brazil
1: yeah, well, Brazil obviously in, in first place, but as the, the runner-up, it's going to be a good battle, I think. Actually, um, Serbia is a team that have just disappointed over and over again. Obviously, a small nation from a footballing hotbed. Again, a really, really good midfield, uh, and they're exciting, led by Nemanja Matic at Manchester United, of course, who's not a game breaker there, but he's a real leader with this team. Um, but I, I like this team. This, this young kid, Milikovic uh, Savage in the midfield could be one of the breakthrough players of the tournament one to watch and there's always one or two that really emerge and, and he's one that if Serbia do well he might be the man but boy it's going to be tough to get out of here because I look at Costa Rica um, you know obviously coming from a less sexy region in CONCACAF but did so well four years ago in the quarterfinals, losing on penalties to the Dutch of course um, and it's a similar team this time around very good defensively we know Kiela Navas uh, the real major goalkeeper of course very strong good shot stopper um, but will they have enough up front? Will they be able to score goals, or, or will their pragmatic approach be enough to get through this group? Switzerland's a team, a bit like Denmark, you know. Um, I, I quite like them. They've got some, some real, real good players. Jonas Jakiri always plays better, it seems, for for his country than for his club Stoke. Although he's pretty good for Stoke, and there's a lot of rumours he'll be leaving there, of course, as they were relegated. Where's he going? You know, will will that weigh on his mind? Granite Xhaka has been a dismal failure. Arsenal hasn't he but we know internationally he can actually play quite well um, is Seferovic really what we thought he'd become up front I don't think he is so there's question marks with all those those three teams I think it's a, really a, a, a coin toss. I'd like to see Serbia get through I think they've got more potential than the other two teams behind Brazil but it really is a, a real tight one
0: as I mentioned, uh, under Chiche, Brazil have once again returned to the top of world football, qualifying for this tournament uh, with, with ease out of Conmebol. Uh, South America never easy to qualify out of, but they made it look pretty easy. Um, what do you make of this Brazil squad who are the odds on favorite to win the World Cup? Um, as an aside, I'm kind of disappointed no odds makers that I can find are giving 7-1 to odds on Brazil winning the World Cup, but clearly none of them have a sense of humor. Um, so what do you make of Brazil uh, going into this tournament?
1: Yeah, I think they're, they're much better than they were four years ago. Even when they got to the semifinals, because ah. the, the infamous result you mentioned, there seven-one. Um, I think the fact that they're they're less reliant now on, on Neymar. Uh, which is a good thing, given that he's been out for most of the campaign. Well, not the last number of months with that broken foot, but he's come back in time for some warm-up games, playing really well. But they're not as reliant. They've got some great players around him. Coutinho, of course, now with Barcelona is going to be the man, maybe pulling the strings. Wonderful player up front. Jesus has been, although although often injured this season at Man City, he's my pick for the Golden Boot this time around. You know, he just score, got scores goals. That that's what he does. I really like this team, even defensively. Um, you know, Marquinhos, if he's playing, that is. I mean, there's talk of that. He, he could be dropped to the tournament beside Miranda. Uh, you know, excellent centre-backs. There's not a weakness really here, is there? Um, and they've got the experience, a real balance. And it looks as if the old Brazil's returning. Dunga was there for a while and he, and he has some pretty decent teams, but they played a very different way to play. Chiche comes in and, and they're attacking again. They're going to wow this World Cup, I think, if they're allowed to. Um, and I think they're obviously one of the teams to watch and if they win this thing, wouldn't surprise me at all I'm really looking forward to seeing Brazil becoming Brazil once again
0: Group F is another strong group featuring the defending World Cup champions Germany and round of 16 regulars Mexico. Uh, But the quality doesn't stop there with uh, both Sweden and South Korea. They both have very strong World Cup histories themselves. So uh, both of those two teams will be definitely looking to challenge uh, that top two um, of Germany and Mexico.
1: They will. I mean, South Korea, I think they might be the whipping boys. They're a frightening team with their team speed up front they could be exciting to watch but defensively very fragile and from set pieces they're they're just dreadful for defending right they can't defend set pieces and you look at Sweden who are good at set pieces Um, Emil Forsberg could be a player to really make some noise in this tournament a very creative player um, in in four positions there for Sweden they're obviously always going to be very organised aren't they Sweden so they're, they're decent and probably better without Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who made some, some noise about maybe getting called up. I'm glad they didn't, because in qualifying, they were very good without him. It would be a real slap in the face, I think, to those, that team if they brought him back for the World Cup. So um, not, not too much going forward. Um, Markus Berg, I guess, is the, the one threat and hardly a world-class player. But you never you know, discount a Swedish team from getting out of this group, because they are that typical Swedish team, right? That they're organised... They, they listen to their coach um, and I think they're going to be real tough to get through with Mexico Mexico again like a, a few teams we mentioned here promise a lot often they're really good in the qualify in, in the uh, in the group phase don't they and then once the knockout uh-huh. phase begins they crash out could be the same again here um, a very good defense although it wasn't a hex and it's hard to judge Mexico because with respect. CONCACAF isn't the toughest region, right? So they should progress. Don't tell the States that, but um, they should progress. But just, just seven goals against it in qualifying in the Hex. So they're a team to watch, in that regard. But I do wonder about going forward and the midfield. This guy, Lozano, is a lot of people's picks to break through um, in the tournament. A forward-thinking player, scores some goals at PSV this year. Could be a real good player. But uh, I really think Mexico... And uh, and Sweden will fight it out. And they'll both be several points behind Germany by uh, the end of it.
0: The Germans, of course, they are looking to become the first repeat World Cup winners since 1962 in Brazil. Who else accomplished the feat? Even England have won since then. So that gives I you an you idea I, of how uh, long it's there's been. There's a
1: slides here, I, I noticed.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but... That gives you an idea of how long it's been. In Germany, they might be the best bet to do it. Um, they've supplemented, supplemented their team uh, with a lot of pieces of that 2014 team uh, with more young talent, and they once again look as a dangerous a side as there is in this competition.
1: Yeah, they really are. I mean, they're my pick to win it. And I had to give a pick, so I had to pick someone, right? I couldn't really go wrong out of uh, the top four teams. So I did pick Germany. We saw them last year at the Confederations Cup and with a second team, maybe a third team, that they they won it with these young kids pushing through. The fact that they could drop a player like Leroy Sané just speaks volumes about how how deep this team is. Um, I think even German journalists were surprised that they dropped Sané. Because Yogi Lov has his system and has the way this team plays and, and should behave off the field. So he's picked it, and, and it's tough to rule against him. They're still very similar to last time around, of course, when they won it. Missing the likes of Philipp Lahm, that's huge, of course. We know that. But up front, Timo Werner comes aboard. Could be a breakout player. Um, I think those of us who watch the game, we know who he is. at Leipzig, very good player. Prolific goal scorer. Um, internationally, it's time that he starts delivering up front, and they didn't really have that out-and-out striker last time around, and they still won it, didn't they? So um, I think Werner's is really exciting. But behind him, you have those veterans, and like the Ozil's and the Mullers. Tony Cruz is just absolutely wonderful. I love that guy for Real Madrid. Such a sublime passer of the ball. Um, it's tough to pick a weakness here. It really is. I'm I'm really happy that Marco Royce is finally healthy and playing finally. He's missed the last two tournaments. He would have walked into both starting 11s if he was healthy so you should start in this one I think Um, they've reached the semi-finals Mitchell in in, in the last three World Cups and European Championships combined right so Uh, that that speaks for itself they're going to go deep we know that and I think they're probably going to win it
0: Group G has a, a bit of a top-heavy feel to it. There's the two big names, England and Belgium, um, who are joined by Tunisia and World Cup debutants, Panama. Um, England and Belgium are two teams that never really seem to make things easy on themselves, but um, you know, with the inexperience of both Tunisia and Panama, uh, this shouldn't be an overly difficult group um for either of these two teams to get out of i, I shouldn't think yeah I,
1: I agree i mean with respect to panama and tunisia the two teams that work really hard they're, they're decent defensively um panama's nasty tenacious uh, can cause some issues but and we've seen england for example struggle like you mentioned against these teams before but they, they shouldn't this time around i would think it'll be a battle between england and and belgium belgium are one of those teams a bit like france in that they could go a long way or that they could crash out early in the knockout phase. There's rumblings, they're not happy behind the scenes. They're a team that seems always on the precipice of implosion. But again, if they click and if they're playing on top form and they're smiling, they'll go a long way. They're so talented. Um, you know. It, like like, like uh, France, some of the players they've left off are very good players. Um, De Bruyne has been behind Mo Salah, the best player in English football the last 12 months. Can he work, though, with Eden Hazard, who's probably their best player, or most most exciting player going forward? That's a big question mark right now for Belgium, but, boy, they they should be the group favorites. Um, I had them going out first in the group into the round of 16 um i don't see why i changed
0: that this english team it's it's kind of a transitional uh a roster filled with a lot of young up-and-coming players um england they've been doing fairly well at youth tournaments lately um so definitely a pro- program looking to uh turn the corner at this world cup um how what would be a successful tournament for this England team considering as I mentioned it's probably a bit more of a transitional team and um, they'll be looking to kind of build off of this result
1: yeah it's funny I I was looking at my my notes from the last world cup actually before the tournament and notes in England were finally we know we're not overrating this team finally there's a bit of reality around this team they're not great they're building for the future and we were right they were very poor in 2014 and then they were poor again in 2016, so so much for the future. Um, that being said, here we are now in 2018, and it is genuinely a young team, a young squad with a young manager as well. And it's clearly a team with one eye on the future. And you're right, that they won the U17s and the U20s, uh, which is a really good step in the right direction. Most great teams start off with, with good youth teams, and you see them build through. Now, the question is, can England find homes for those players in in big teams playing regular minutes it's always been the issue and it is a concern but looking at the England starting 11 I I quite like it I have to say they're not going to win this tournament of course not but they should get through the group they'll then play a team quite possibly Colombia in the round of 16 a, a match that they could win so I think a quarter final berth is is potential here if they get to the quarterfinals I think it will be a big success and a real great moment for Gareth Southgate to prove himself as an international manager so I'm actually quite confident in a decent World Cup for England Uh, at the same time I'm realistic because I'm quite aware that they're not going to go deep in the tournament but hey a quarter final beat would be gravy
0: yeah for sure and I think as you said this is a young England team so that experience of potentially getting to a quarter final stage would be great for their their development as a lot of these players will be around uh, in four years time as they try and turn the corner as a program Um, But let's move on to the final group in the competition and likely um, the most even group in the entire competition, that being Group H, where honestly any of these four teams could advance. Uh, Colombia, they had a great last World Cup. They reached the quarterfinal stage, kind of feeding off the the South American atmosphere that was down there. Um, But Poland, Senegal and Japan, they all have different weapons that can cause issues for their opposition, certainly. Um, But perhaps nobody is more excited uh, about this group than the teams in group g because whoever gets out of this group uh, might be a pretty favorable matchup in the round of 16
1: yeah it is um it's a really open group isn't it poland i would say is, is probably the, the class the favorite in this one they're experienced uh, and, and there is youth coming up as well within that team as well which is quite exciting but you have lewandowski up front of course for, for poland arguably the top number nine in the world football as an out-and-out striker uh, they're a very good team and they're balanced too I love their wide play have done for years um, Senegal it is an interesting one isn't it really good depth a balanced team uh, Sadio Mane has been just wonderful this year for Liverpool um, a, a really good player and a game breaker as well so they're a balanced team um, Colombia everyone loves Colombia right we, we want to see the team do well uh-huh. they, they often will look great and then they'll crash out early in the knockout phase we saw James Rodriguez last time out Become maybe the face of the tournament in, in many regards. He was wonderful, and then got the big move to Real Madrid. Didn't really work out, but then this past season got a loan move to Bayern Munich, where he's refound his form just in time for the World Cup. So I think that bodes really well f- for Colombia. Um, Japan probably the the, the lowest odds to, to you know escape this group. Not not great at all. Experience sure that um, they've into the third world cup i think most of this group actually so they know each other but there isn't that much talent there i don't think and some of the the, the names like honda for example husebi kagawa they're older players now who, who aren't as dynamic as they used to be so i think they're probably uh, on the outside looking in but i would say colombia will, will qualify just behind poland but don't rule out senegal you know they might be one of those teams as a potential dark horse to make a run which would be nice to see
0: yeah, I actually really like this Senegal team. I mean, they have a lot of attacking quality and they certainly attack with pace, which is something that I really like in teams. Um, we haven't really seen them play against top European opposition or, or any team that's really a measuring stick yet. So that's one thing um, where they're kind of a tough team to project just because they've been playing a lot of their games the past Uh, A couple of years in in Africa and you never want to uh, really read too much into friendly results but it would be nice uh, if you're projecting them at least to get a bit of a measuring stick but um, let's move on to some World Cup storylines starting with um, well there's not going to be any Italy or Netherlands at this tournament um, among other teams so there's not going to be Perhaps the same quality of player. Um, who's the player, James, that you, you feel uh, is missing the most in this competition um, from one of the teams that uh, won't be there in Russia?
1: Well, if you ask Ebra, it's him, right? Because, you know, what's a backup without Ibra, you know? Um, but all joking aside, I look at Chile. I love Chile, you know, they're, they're such a great team to watch. They, they've bossed uh-huh. South American soccer for the last number of years, had a bad campaign, probably because they're absolutely knackered from playing so much football the last little while. We're going to miss them, and and of course, with that, we'll, we'll miss Alexis Sanchez, who, uh, you know, really didn't right, quite reach the heights we'd hoped. Um, when he made the move to Manchester United. But again, I think he's tired. I think he'll be fine next year, but I'm going to really miss him because Matt, he's fun to watch and he's the kind of guy that can turn a game with, with one move, is the, he? Um, and I think that kind of offensive player we're going to miss because I have a suspicion that the way international football is right now, it is so tactical. It can be quite defensive. As you saw at Euro, which wasn't a great tournament. You need game breakers. We need those players who can make those those little moves or score that goal and to turn games and to make a match that's otherwise boring, incredibly exciting. And I think there's a few of those missing, but for me it's Alexis Sanchez
0: and we might not get any true heavyweight battles until the knockout stages, Uh, but this year's groups should provide us with a few pretty good matches. Um, Are there any games in particular, James, that stand out to you as must-watch from the group stage?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I think on the second day, isn't it, Portugal take on Spain, which will be really interesting. We'll see where Spain is at, and we'll see what what tactical um, lookout Portugal's doing. Are they going to follow the same suit as they did uh, at Euro? and That is just park the bus... Deep blocks and defend their way to the championship. It'd be really interesting. In qualifying, they didn't really have to do that so much because they're obviously in quite a weak group and they played some quite attractive football at times. But I suspect Fernando Santos might might go back to the old tried and test it for this tournament. But for one team, you know, game to watch, um, I really like the Argentina Croatia game in Group D, which goes on on the 21st of June. Um, Argentina has mentioned so many question marks about this team and how they're going to play, and can they, they, they um, group together around Leo Messi. I guess a Croatia team who, who, much like Argentina, I just don't quite know what to expect. I know what they can do, and what I hope they'll do, but they're two teams that could be awful in this World Cup, or could be quite brilliant, and, and maybe we'll get a good idea in that first match.
0: I actually had a friend invite me over for the first day of the World Cup, and uh, he he tabbed that as as the day after the opening day, that being the the Spain Portugal game. So he he did that <laughs> on purpose. Uh, Russia
1: Saudi Arabia isn't going just. Uh, I'm actually going to be in the air flying back to, to Canada uh, during that match, and I'm I'm actually not upset about it.
0: Yeah, again for opening games. Well, I mean they are the two uh, lowest ranked. Uh, teams in the competition so it might not be the best game there but um, four years ago it was James Rodriguez who secured a move to Real Madrid with his incredible play at the 2014 World Cup Uh, James if you had to predict a player that would kind of have a similar tournament and um, bring a spotlight on him for his play at this competition uh, who might that be
1: yeah a couple I mean I'll mention Werner's name again Timo Werner a bit like James Rodriguez if you watch the game you know who Hummers was four years ago, right? We knew he was a very good player. Um, but he obviously raised his game um, and got to a brand new level and scored some, some wonderful goals for, for his team. But I look at Timo Werner at Leipzig the last little while, where he scored a lot of goals the last two years. Um, and for his country, he scored seven goals, his last 13 internationals. He can be prolific. And he's the first out-and-out like center forward that that Germany's had for some time and with that team going deep in the tournament and the way they play the game and with the creativity behind him I think he's going to score a lot of goals um, in this tournament and will secure a really big move somewhere and I think that's why he hasn't moved so far I think he's looking at the World Cup as his platform to really pick and choose where he goes and he might be the difference of 30 or 40 million right before a World Cup compared to after a World Cup so he's going to be great and if I can go back to Uruguay here the Juventus kid, 20 years of age, um, Rodrigo uh, Bentecure, he's, he's a tenacious midfielder, and at 20 years of age, he sees the game really well, and he's got a great football IQ, I think is probably the right phrase to use. And for a Uruguay team that's got a lot of veterans playing for it, they, they need a new wave of kids coming through, and he's going to be at the forefront of that. And if Uruguay, as I think they will, go, go quite far in this tournament, I mean, I think they, they could be playing Portugal in the second round and then meet France in the quarterfinals when, who knows, he's going to get a name for himself, I think, in this tournament. Uh, and Juventus are very fortunate to have him right now. So uh, he'll be one, I'd say, out of the blue that to make some real noise.
0: And it kind of seems pretty unlikely that it won 't be one of the usual suspects lifting the trophy at the end of the tournament that being Brazil, Germany, France, or Spain. Um, but who is the team that could potentially you know disrupt some of these teams and um, you know catch some people by surprise at this year 's world cup
1: yeah, this is the toughest question i've 've had you now I've, I've been asked it a few times now, and I just i don 't see the small tiny team coming in i I mean Senegal you mentioned might be a good pick you know might cause some issues in their group. But as, as far as going deep in the tournament and maybe knocking off a, a giant, I mean, is Belgium considered a giant? To me, they're not a dark horse, right? They have so many class players. They're already there as almost being a, a contender. Um, it's, it's really hard to say. Maybe it's Colombia. You know, if if they find their form and, and they get the job done, they get out of their group, they can make a, a quarterfinal run to a, a game against Germany, maybe. Who knows? Um maybe against Brazil in a quarterfinal and with Colombia and with the game breakers they have be it Falcao or James Rodriguez that they could be that team perhaps to to really bring some colour to this World Cup and you know I think sometimes World Cups need that, that team and this tournament may be no different given the way international football is right now
0: yeah, it's a fair point. You know, any of the teams in kind of that tier below the top tier, you know, your Croatia, your Belgium, um, even your Uruguay, they, they aren't really, they can't really be considered dark horses because they do have so much quality to their team. They have so many players playing in Europe. So if you're looking at a true dark horse, they don't really fit the bill.
1: And usually, Mitchell, like the dark horse is a dark horse for a reason, in that no one expects <clears throat> to do anything, right? They, they become the yeah. dark horse. They're not the dark horse entering it, they just emerge out of nowhere, like South Korea in 2002. Or, or even Croatia, you know, back in 98. No one expects anything, and then before you know it, wow, they're in the semifinals.
0: And as for who will lift the trophy on July 15th, I know you said you've already gone with Germany as your pick, a, a solid pick, and I'm not going much further out on a limb here by picking Brazil, considering, you know, we've both picked the two odds-on favourites. Um, but I, I really like this Brazil side. I think beyond the obvious offensive talent, um, it's it's the role players and how much they've improved in the past four years. Uh, you look at their goalkeepers; um, they've got Allison or Ederson. They're both quality goalkeepers and and both better than the goalkeeper four years ago, which let's not forget was playing for Toronto FC at the time. <laughs> um, I also think uh, Casemiro adds a level of protection that Brazil's backline uh, didn't really have in 2014. And, and you know, in the midfield and up front, you've got players like Palinho and Roberto Firmino who. Um, um, Will come in there and, and do hard work for you and, uh, you know, give those attacking players kind of an opportunity um, to go forward and um, do what they do best.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It's a good point. They have got great, great depth, haven't they? Um, and they have that. They have the iron in midfield with the Casimiros, for example, Polenos, you, you can provide that steel. But you mentioned Firmino coming off the bench. I, I love Firmino. You know, I'm obviously a. Bit of a Reds, Reds fan here. I, I dismissed him a couple of years ago saying he, he's not what we, we thought he would be, but he's become a world-class player, very clever as well. And if you're looking for a player to unlock a defence late in the game, what else do you want than that type of player coming off the bench? He, he's wonderful and such great balance. I, I just don't see a weakness with, with Brazil at all. And I think you're going to see um, lots of Jesus becoming that player who everyone will now know his name you know, after this World Cup. He's just kind of emerged in the last couple of years within the football community. But outside of that, people don't really know who he is. That that could change.
0: And that brings us to the end of this special edition of the Footy Talks podcast. Uh, thanks again for joining the show, James. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Mitchell, thanks so much. I enjoyed it. We'll chat soon.
0: And uh, as I mentioned off the top of the show, not long now until the tournament kicks off next Thursday. Uh, We will have plenty of coverage of the tournament on this show in the next few weeks. So thanks for listening, everyone.